This new season of The Bachelorette is like nothing you've ever seen before. And it's not because of the pandemic. Oh, sick, sick. Holy Like, what is going on? Dan Diamond, are, are we really about to do an episode about The Bachelorette? <laughs> you know, Jeremy, they say that 2020 has been the worst year, but here we are talking about reality television and sports on a Politico podcast. So perhaps there's hope. <laughs> I, I, I got to ask. I'm curious. I mean, I know you are happily married, but hypothetically, if, if you were on The Bachelor, not The Bachelorette, I guess, and, and we're judging contestants like based on how they're handling the pandemic, how good of a job they're doing social distancing and keeping up with your pristine healthcare journalist health standards. What would they have to do to uh, to get your rose? I cannot believe this is actually happening on a Politico podcast. Um, <laughs> uh, if I was on this show, I, I would be the worst uh, contestant because I'd want to stand 12 feet apart from everyone. I, I definitely wouldn't want to hug anyone. The only person I've touched all year has been my wife. I mean, when I've seen my family, I don't take off my mask. So I, I just, I, I can't even imagine being on the show unless we do what they did, which is go to the middle of nowhere and bubble up for weeks. And I guess you, you wouldn't be handing anybody a rose. It would be like, uh, your rose is over there. Feel free to go pick it up <laughs> while I stand. <laughs> yeah, I, I put the rose on the ground and then, then you know, retreat. <laughs> Hello, Pulse Check listeners. This is Dan Diamond, and welcome to an extra special episode of our Pulse Check series on the coronavirus outbreak. Today, I'm in conversation with my colleague Jeremy Siegel from our daily Dispatch podcast, discussing the Bachelorette season premiere. No, I'm not joking. And what it reveals about our nation's response to the pandemic. Here is that conversation. It's a brand new season of The Bachelorette. Systems are a go to meet Claire. And this one is worth the wait. The Bachelorette, which is part of a long-running franchise about people seeking love on television, held its season premiere. Hi, I'm Chris Harrison, and welcome to an all-new season of The Bachelorette. And the TV show relocated production to a resort in California. They stuck everyone on campus there. Claire's journey to find love is already totally different from any other season ever. As you can see, I'm not at the usual bachelor mansion. In fact, I'm not even in Los Angeles. And made coronavirus a major storyline of the kickoff to the season. At any point, I could have caught this disease, and this could be over. So waiting for my test result has not been an easy thing to go through. I really hope that I am COVID-free because I'm really looking forward to meeting these guys. How exactly did this show pull things off in the middle of a pandemic? Like, what do we know about their safety procedures? Well, I, I have to be honest. I didn't watch the whole episode, and I'm not such a huge Bachelor head uh, that I've I've gone so deep during the pandemic. But... My understanding is that the show, much like other entertainment productions, ceased in the middle of March when it became clear that coronavirus was spreading. We were going to start filming in just a couple days. 
But then because of the pandemic, we shut down. Quarantine day 22. They took a few months to figure out what they wanted to do next. They waited for testing to become more widely available. And then they started production back up at this resort, La La Quinta, in Palm Springs, California. The coronavirus has transformed how we work. It's changed how we interact with family and friends. And of course, it's dramatically affected how we fall in love. So how are we going to make a romantic dating show during times like these? Well, it took a lot of work, a lot of patience, and a whole lot of testing. And in the episode, there was a big reveal near the beginning where the bachelorette got her COVID test results. Claire, I got your final test results. She was told that she tested negative. She was safe to go date all the men. You are 100% clear to go. Free and clear, ready to be the bachelorette. This is your time. So I'm gonna leave you. Okay. And you're gonna go get ready because all this is happening tonight. And meanwhile, the contestants, the men trying to win her heart, were shown quarantining for days. They were wearing masks as they traveled to the site. They got their own tests. It is 7.20 a.m. Been in quarantine for about uh, 24 hours here, Um, but it's time for the first COVID test, so not looking forward to it. You know, this stuff hurts. They're shoving basically like a pipe cleaner up in your nostrils to the back of your head. The invasive nasal swab. No, 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 mask on. Okay. Pull it down so that your nose is exposed and your mouth is covered. Okay. Okay, and head up. Oh, God. See, oh, God. All right. I could have done with a little less drama about how the test goes up your nose. (laughs) Uh, The thing just got shoved up my nose. Claire, I'm doing this for you. Jeremy, I, I think it also was was beneficial. It normalized the process for millions of viewers who haven't had that test. H- have you had that test? No, I haven't. I, I, I got to say, like, I, I learned a lot sort of about how, how it's done and how it works. Like, I do feel more knowledgeable of it all after after watching that first episode. Yeah, it's exactly what they do. And I just had one of these tests myself this week. The mask gets pulled down over your mouth. You lean back. The person puts the swab up your nose for a few seconds. Um, I I think the show brought home the reality of what it's like to try and live life in the middle of a pandemic. The lead, Claire Crowley, the bachelorette herself, talked about how she couldn't visit her mom who has Alzheimer's. I don't know. A lot of people are experiencing this as well, but it's really hard for me to not be able to see her, to not be able to hug her. It's hard. I, I don't want to give this show too much credit. <laughs> one one contestant spent the entire episode uh, wearing a straight jacket because he said he went, quote, crazy in quarantine while waiting to meet the Bachelorette. But I, I thought overall, it was a bracing dose of reality on a show that likes to gin up fake drama. This show isn't the only major TV event that's involved a coronavirus bubble and major safety precautions. There's the Great British Baking Show. This year's bakers will be part of something very special. Which did its own contestant bubble. Like everyone up and down the country, the bake-off has had to make some changes. It's unbelievable that I'm living in a wee bake-off village, a wee bake-off town. And on Sunday, there was the NBA Finals. And that's it. It's over. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble 
And banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Game six between the Lakers and the Heat, which, you know, experts have referred to as an example of how things can be done safely that that feel like normal pre-COVID life, normal pre-COVID sporting events. What was the NBA's safety strategy here and, and how did we see it play out? Jeremy, I'm going to answer your question about the NBA, but I want to draw a line between the NBA and and The Bachelor that I hadn't realized until we started having this conversation. March 11th was a famous day in how we think about COVID-19 in America. It was the day that NBA All-Star Rudy Gobert tested positive for the virus. The NBA suspended its season that day. Actor Tom Hanks, his wife Rita Wilson, announced that they tested positive. Tom Hanks and his wife Rita Wilson have tested positive for the coronavirus. They're in Australia for pre-production of a film about Elvis Presley. I do have to say, I think this made this real for a lot of people. President Trump gave an Oval Office address. Like, it all happened the same day. It felt like a lot was changing in how we thought about coronavirus. But it was also the same day that The Bachelorette unveiled its contestants. And it was it was the day after The Bachelor, the brother show with a male lead looking for love, that show had just ended the night before. So The Bachelor and Bachelorette were very much also in the middle of their effort. Now, the NBA was winding down its season. It was near the start of the playoffs. And instead of going right into it, the league stopped for a few months, paused operations to figure out what to do next, and ended up settling on a strategy where they moved most of the players and teams to Walt Disney World in in Florida and set them up at different hotels, built basketball arenas, and kept the players there for a number of months. You know all the stories you've been seeing about what goes on in the NBA bubble? Well, everything you've heard about being here has to get here. They have a giant shipping center. Guys have had all the creature comforts shipped in to make them feel like they're at home. There's been a couch that's come through here, wine coolers, Udonis Haslam from the- Ben Golliver of the Washington Post had a very good article on this. Uh, listeners should check the show notes. I think we can make sure it's, it's in there. But players were being tested rigorously while they were on campus. Staff and sports writers wore wristbands and other devices that provided proximity alerts when they lingered for too long near someone else, or we would monitor their temperature in real time. They had to update tracking apps every day. There was additional daily testing throughout, and it sounded pretty monotonous, frankly. There was fishing and you know running and biking, but it was kind of like being stuck in your college freshman dorm, and, and you couldn't leave for months on end. And yet, the NBA was really successful with this. There were a lot of positive tests at the beginning of the process when players, as they were being monitored about whether they could go into the bubble or not, were being tested for the first time. And dozens of NBA players over the course of the early summer, it turned out, were positive. But once the bubble was set up and players started going into it, it was relatively drama-free. There, there was no player, as far as I can remember, who tested positive while in this bubble. And The bubble also produced some public health wins, some strides in how testing got done that held takeaways for people well beyond the NBA. Hey, Pulse Check listeners, we'll get back to Claire Crowley's Search for Love in a moment. But first, a message from our sponsor. All right, we're back to talk more about The Bachelorette and the NBA. 
So at the same time this is happening inside of the NBA, at the same time The Bachelorette is is getting ready to be on air, speaking of someone who is no stranger to reality TV, the White House itself has been dealing with the fallout of its own coronavirus outbreak. President Trump had tested positive. His doctor is now saying he's testing negative and isn't infectious. But, you know, a number of staffers and Republican allies also tested positive recently after the president did. This is a weird question to ask, but how would you say the White House, the office of the most powerful person in the U.S., how does its coronavirus protocols compare to what we've seen on reality television and from professional sports? I don't think it's a weird question at all, Jeremy. I I was listening to Joel Anderson, a writer at Slate, make the case that NBA Commissioner Adam Silver should be in charge of the U.S. coronavirus response. And he's not the only writer who has played with that idea. The NBA took the risk of coronavirus so seriously that they stuck players, teams in a bubble and left them there for months. Meanwhile, Trump administration officials engaged with risk. They they dismissed the idea of masks. They didn't do social distancing in the White House and beyond. Instead, they banked a lot on using rapid testing to weed out who had coronavirus and who didn't. And then if someone tested positive, to keep that person away from the president. But those rapid tests are inaccurate, and they can fail, which can quickly lead to a spiraling outbreak when there are no masks or social distancing. And I I also think, Jeremy, there have been risks that the average American probably doesn't know about with regards to the administration. I remember meeting with administration officials this summer who weren't wearing masks indoors. Other people not wearing masks were coming in out of the room. The officials supported me taking off my mask, too. These were people who were then around the president. And we've discovered with COVID-19, it's very easy for a chain of transmission to sprout. All it takes is one infected, asymptomatic person lingering in a room, breathing the same air, and then that virus quickly piggybacking as more meetings, more people spend time together. What do you think these different situations, a White House outbreak, a nation where half the states are now in the COVID red zone again with cases rising, and these entertainment events that seem to be you know, running smoothly in the middle of the pandemic, what do you think they can reveal about the nation's response to the COVID outbreak? Like, Does looking at them side by side make you hopeful for how things can be done better and might be, or does this just sort of highlight what's gone wrong in this country? I think that's actually a, a very tricky question because the answer is is nuanced here. You can't run the White House the same way you run professional sports or a TV show. I mean, The Bachelorette and the NBA could pick their spots. They paused operations for months. They thought about how best to do this. The White House careened from crisis to crisis. They had relatively little time in the middle of the coronavirus outbreak to just sit and think. And the NBA, the Bachelorette, they they operated with no real threat of, uh, say, congressional oversight. If the president had wanted to relocate the administration to a bubble, say, at his Mar-a-Lago resort in Florida, I'm sure there would have been some resistance and potential probes from Democrats who would have found fault with the idea. I I also think, Jeremy, I want to be careful not to over- read to extrapolate too much from what the NBA did or what the Bachelorette did, because these are competitions. The number of people on the show or in the NBA bubble, it was defined, generally shrunk over time. 
as as teams lost or contestants lost uh, the chance of winning the Bachelorette's heart, the White House bubble would not shrink unless the president is firing people or they quit. But I, I do think if there is a lesson, one big difference is that the White House courted risk, whereas these entertainment productions tried to minimize risk. The president held maskless rallies. He invited hundreds or thousands of people into his house, basically the White House, like that infamous Rose Garden event to celebrate Amy Coney Barrett. Uh, that's now linked to a chain of transmission. So that's the big takeaway for me, that we can get through the pandemic better if we avoid situations that create risk. The NBA, The Bachelorette, they went out of their way. They spent extra money to minimize risk. The Trump administration at times has minimized risk, but at other times has completely flouted the safety protections that we know work to stop COVID. To get back to the point where we can do those things that are safety risks right now, to get back to the point where the NBA is playing normally, where the Bachelorette isn't shooting in the middle of nowhere— there's obviously a lot that has to happen. I think the biggest element that we hear about is a vaccine. I mean, where are we at this point? Um, what's our timeline looking like? When do you think we are going to get back to the point where everything from the NBA to the Bachelorette to the White House is able to safely operate how it did before the pandemic? I think if we're talking about a return to pre-COVID normal, we may still be a year away, if not more. There is a good chance that some coronavirus vaccines will be coming online in the next few months. Those vaccines are in the last stage of trials. Some of those trials have been paused for various safety reasons. This is not abnormal. Trials often get paused because of an unexplained illness. Uh, it's, it's, in fact, a good sign that they're getting paused because scientists are trying to run down the problem. They're not trying to rush vaccines out to the public. But we're still going to have a multi-month process of even when these vaccines are finalized, of educating Americans about the need to get them, potentially getting multiple doses. The early vaccines might not be as effective as the later ones. So we're, we're still a ways away from getting back to what we would consider normal pre-COVID. But we're getting better and better, I think, at understanding the risks of how this virus transmits and the ability to cope with some of those risks in creative ways. I'm, I'm coming to you, Jeremy, as you know, visiting my in-laws in, in Minnesota. And to get here, we drove across the country. We saw the Notre Dame campus where the president of Notre Dame famously was infected potentially because of the Amy Coney Barrett celebration in the Rose Garden. On the campus of Notre Dame, every student, every person I saw, with maybe one or two exceptions over the course of several hours, was wearing a mask. And there were tents and other things set up outdoors for people to get together more safely. There are creative ways to keep society going in the middle of this crisis. And I think we'll see more of that creativity even before a vaccine arrives. All right, that is our show for this week. This week's episode was produced by Jeremy Siegel. The puppet master pulling strings on this episode and the idea to do it on The Bachelorette. Jenny Ament is our senior producer, and Irene Noguchi is our executive producer. You can subscribe to Politico Pulse Check on your favorite podcast app. And you can help us by leaving a rating or review or a spoiler of The Bachelorette season. 
That helps new listeners find the show, and it helps me understand what to watch as the season moves forward. I'm Dan Diamond. Thanks again for listening. Stay safe during this pandemic, and we'll be back again with you next week. The way to bring this country to its knees is to choke off our supply. Imagine for a second our globe as a series of supply chains. Food, everyday goods, and raw materials zooming across the world in a single day. But what if those global supply chains suddenly ground? to a halt. It's not just about finding which vaccines work. It's about preparing the manufacturing and supply chains for those. And if one little detail in those supply chains goes wrong, we might not be getting vaccines to people when they desperately need them. The global pandemic showed us what it's like when we can't get the things we need. Masks, personal protective equipment, even toilet paper. There's simply not enough raw materials. We have to figure out how to get this right. There is a bigger story behind the scarcity. We need to fight back against China. A bigger picture with implications for our future. That's going to be a major challenge. On this season of Global Translations, where has globalization fallen short? And where do we go from here? The 90s called, and their economics is not what we need now. I'm Louisa Savage. I've spent my career thinking about the global forces that shape our world. Join me and other journalists from Politico. A new season of Global Translations coming October 21st. Presented by City, a leading global bank. <laughs>